Good morning, Moore Tribe. We're so glad you could join us for our version of Church Online. We hope to bring a piece of our home and authentic atmosphere to wherever you are right now. We miss you all and pray blessings over you and your families. I want to remind you, we are continuing our negativity fast, so feel free to share your thoughts on our Facebook page as you read through your books. We will be posting more often on all our social media and would love for you to follow, watch, and comment to keep us all connected. Lastly, we want to ask you to please give online to support your church. We could not do any of this without you. We appreciate your support, your prayers, and the time you've taken to be with us right now. Good morning, Moore Tribe. Um, so appreciate you uh, joining us this morning. Um, normally I get up here and say it's so good to see you, but now I have to imagine that I'm seeing you. We're doing something we've never done before. We're uh, having church in, in an empty house. Um, never thought it would come to this, but uh, I'm very thankful for this technology, very thankful for the people in this church that help us know how to do this, because I certainly don't. And uh, we have such a great staff, and they've worked very hard to be able to bring this to you uh, every Sunday at 10 a.m. so that uh, we can stay connected through this whole weird time. And it does feel kind of weird preaching to no one, even though it's kind of like preaching at 9 a.m. in the services. Um, there's usually not many here on that time either, so it's kind of the same thing. Um, let's just start by saying a word of prayer together and asking God to bless this uh, this whole thing. Father, I just thank you for uh, just letting us be able to do this. I thank you, God, for this opportunity to stay connected to this tribe and to this church. I thank you for those, God, this morning that took the time to tune in here, and I ask, Lord, that you'd bless them, and, and bless all those, God, that haven't tuned in. Lord, we take this opportunity to pray for our entire world during this uh, pandemic, and we ask, Lord, that you would extend your hand to heal and to stop this thing. Uh, stop it in its tracks. We know, Lord, that you're very capable, and we call out to you, God, to do that. But in the meantime, God, we thank you for your protection, for your provision, and we thank you, God, that you care. And we ask now, God, that you'd be in this, that you'd bless the reading and the teaching of your word, and let this, God, just be all done for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I would like to restate what I said last Wednesday night. We had a corporate prayer meeting in here, and I was really encouraged because we had a lot of people come out. Um, Crystal Chambers helped me lead that meeting, and uh, it was really uh, encouraging. But we are uh, not doing this because of fear. We're not uh, you know, doing it online because of fear. We're doing it because we want to uh, be under the authority that's been placed upon us. The city and the state and even the federal government has asked us not to assemble, and so we want to respect that authority, and so we are not assembling. Um, but uh, 
we really believe that all authority is put in place by God. In fact, Romans 13.1, it says it very clearly. It says everyone must submit to the governing authorities because all authority comes from God. And those positions of authority have been placed there by God. So it's so funny to me as we go from president to president and administration to administration, how many people will just say, well, I hate this president or I hate this president or he's not my president. And I just want to tell you that the word of God is very clear that no matter who is sitting in the, uh, in the White House, uh, they've been put there uh, with God. And it's our, it's our obligation, actually, to pray for them and to support our government and to be good citizens in our land. Uh, actually, when Paul wrote that in Romans 13 and said everybody must submit to governing authorities, it's, uh, he wrote that in like 57, 58 AD, they think. And uh, Nero, Nero was the... Uh, emperor of Rome at that time. Nero was probably the, the cruelest uh, dictator, uh, cruelest uh, emperor that Rome had ever known. They, he, he burned Christians. He, he put them in the arena and, and uh, used them for sport. And he actually was the one that ended up ordering Paul to be beheaded. So when Paul was writing this, <laughs> he was writing about a guy that was eventually going to take his life. But I just want to say that fear has not made this decision for us. Uh, but fear does want to kind of creep into our mind and into our heart at this time. It's like this fear that's just kind of out there. You can almost feel it uh, in the air. But it starts small. Fear always starts small. It starts with those little, that little voice inside of our head that says, well, what if? I mean, like, what if we run out of food, you know? What if I lose my job? Or what if the stock market fails and doesn't come back? And the worst one of all is, what if we really run out of toilet paper? These questions will uh, take us into fear. They take us into panic. And, uh, you know, the question is, how do we defeat this fear? And how do we keep out of fear? Not just in this situation, but in every situation. Because fear wants to come inside of us and get on us uh, all the time. It's just that at this particular time, this is going around the world, and fear seems to be just about everywhere. So we're going to look at God's word today and what it says about fighting this fight against fear. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to look at verse 3. And it says this, it says, For we walk in flesh, and, but we do not war according to the flesh. So the first thing you want to notice there is that we walk in the flesh. I mean, we're in these bodies, we're in this flesh, and our flesh is susceptible to sickness and to sin that's where it gets in so when we walk in the flesh we walk in this world and sometimes there's you know viruses in the world and sometimes we're susceptible and so we are using wisdom when we when we distance ourselves from other people especially when they're sick or we use wisdom when we put a mask on when we think that we might have something that could be contagious we're we're just walking in wisdom it's not anti-faith Paul says clearly there that you walk in flesh. And so you have to kind of keep in mind that if you are going to prepare for something like this and you go and you buy extra supplies or something, you're not acting contrary to faith. You're acting in wisdom because we walk in flesh. But the deal is we don't war according to the flesh. What that means is when we're in something like this, we walk in the flesh and we want to prepare in the flesh, but it's not going to win the war against fear in the flesh. The real battle isn't in the grocery stores. Uh, you know, the real battle's not over who gets the next package of meat or the next toilet paper. The real battle comes into our mind and into our emotions. 
And that's where the fight is to be fought. In the flesh, we do everything we can do in the natural, but it will never, we can never do enough in, uh, enough in the natural to eliminate fear, eliminate it from getting on us. And so we want to fight this according to how God says we should fight it. So we go on down, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, the next verse, says, so the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, or they're not uh, about the flesh, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of a stronghold. Stronghold, that's a word that uh, we don't use a lot, but a stronghold is, is just what it sounds like. It's a fortress. It's a, like a giant uh, impenetrable wall, and it's where the enemy hides behind. In these days when they wrote this about he was making an analogy about an army advancing into a city and that the, the opposing army would get behind a stronghold so that the advancing army couldn't get to him. And that's what the enemy has done. He gets, in, he gets behind a stronghold. And the Lord says, we fight against that stronghold. We're to pull that down. And he's about to tell us how to do that. But that's the battle right there. There's a stronghold that the enemy is, has built up. And that stronghold is built with lies. So that's what the battle is about. It's about during this pandemic where fear and panic, these spirits have been released in the earth. I mean, this is a picture of Sam's warehouse the day after, in Amarillo, Texas, the day after we've had the first reported um, coronavirus uh, case here in the city. This picture just shows people lined up around Sam's just trying to get in because there's this fear and this panic, this what-ifs are coming into people's minds of what if we don't have enough food and what are we going to do? We've got to have enough water. What if? What if? And it, it brings fear to people and these, these um, spirits have been released and they're building strongholds in people's minds all over the city. Well, these demonic forces, that's, and that's what they are, they, they have to be countered in the spirit. They can't be countered in the flesh. You can't do enough in the flesh to counter them. So we have to learn how to battle them in our spirit man. So we go on down, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And he says now that it's about casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So right off the bat, he's saying that it's not a battle that we can fight in the flesh, but he said it's a spiritual battle, and the spiritual battle comes down to something as simple as an argument. He says you're casting down an argument. What's the argument about? Well, the argument is about the truth of God, the truth of God's word, the truth of God's promises against the what-ifs or the lies or the, or the things that the enemy wants to come and bring against us. There's this, there's this argument going on. It's like the truth of God, you know, it's... God is our provider. God is our protector. You know, God is, God is going to take care of us and see us through. That's the truth of God's word. But then the what-ifs want to get it, come in and argue with that. Well, yeah, but what if? What if you lose your job? What if you really get this virus? What if, and it, this fear starts to take over. So there's this argument going on. And it's interesting. He said, you're casting down the arguments of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You see, these things... These spirits, they're, they're trying to take the high place. It's like the thing that's in the highest place, it, it denotes preeminence. It denotes that it's the most important thing. And so 
This fight that we're fighting is an argument that's, that's established itself in our mind that tries to make it the high thing. These spirits, they desire the high place. But that's not where they belong. These spirits don't belong in the highest place. God's word belongs in the highest place. No matter what the what-ifs are, God's word is the final word. The demonic forces of fear and panic are supposed to be under our feet, according to the truth of God's word. But they will constantly want to fight to take the high ground. You know, God's your provider. God is your protector. No matter if you lose your job, no matter if we get that virus, there's this argument going on about who's greater, who's higher, who settles the argument, who settles this argument. Well, the truth is God's word is established and God doesn't, uh, there's nothing that can exalt itself higher than God's word. The argument is not going on about what's really greater because we know God's word is great and it always will be. The argument's inside of our mind about what's greater, what's higher. Who settles the argument? Well, we settle the argument because the battle goes on in our own mind and our own emotions. It's not a, a battle for convincing other people to believe it. It's a battle for us to believe it, to hang on to it, to have faith and to believe God's word, even in the midst of the craziest times. It's about perspective. You see, the high thing, they always want you to look up at it like you're underneath it, you know, the, the panic and the fear. It's like it's on top of us and it's telling us what to do. And the perspective should be that we're looking down at it because it's under our feet. We should always look up to the promises of God, which is the banner over us is love. The banner over us is God's provision. The banner over us is God's word. It's not the, it's not the, uh, uh, the enemy's stronghold. It's not the enemy's lies. It's not the, the panic and the fear. You know, this, um, this virus is an invisible enemy. <laughs> It's so funny when you think about it. Nobody has seen, I mean, you can look at the virus under a microscope, and some people do, but I've never seen it, and probably you've never seen it. So it's invisible to us. But it's had so much power in this world. It's had so much power, negative power, to push people into doing things, spend money they don't have, to go out and buy a ton of stuff that they're so afraid. And it's pushed people to act in ways, even to cause people to argue and even to fight uh, over different things. You know, it's invisible, but it has so much negative influence. Isn't it funny that God's invisible too? We've never seen him. His word's invisible, but it doesn't seem like God's word has that power behind it. It doesn't seem like it's, it's moving the people the way that this fear is. And it tells me that these strongholds have been established and that people are actually believing the lie more than they're believing God's word. Shouldn't God's word and shouldn't God have more impact in our life than anything that's invisible in this world? Yes, it should. I mean, this pandemic, it's real, it's serious. But it's kind of like what Crystal Chambers said last Wednesday night. She said, this thing is small, it's minuscule, but it's like it's casting this big, ugly shadow. It's like a shadow monster that you know, you used to make with your hands when you'd put a light behind it. This very small little virus is casting this big, ugly monster shadow. And people are believing that that monster shadow is really that big. It's really not. Yeah, the pandemic is real and it's serious, but it's really not bigger than God. Here's the fact about the coronavirus. Here's the fact. It's a setback. That sounds like a small word. But that's what I believe it is. It's a setback. 
and I want to define a setback. It's a, it, a setback is simply a reversal of our progress or a hindrance to our progress. It's like you're going somewhere and there's a hindrance to it, and that's a setback. I mean, you might be, I know I've had this happen to me, like I've got to go to the church and I've got an appointment and I've got to be on time and I'm hurrying to get there on time and I come to a red light and I'm behind someone and this person in front of me is texting and they sit through the light and I miss it and they sit through the whole green light and I miss it. And, you know, it frustrates me and I get upset, but it's a setback. See, it's a hindrance to where I was going. Another time I was on vacation and and uh, we left Amarillo, and it was bad weather, and we got, we got off late, and we got to Dallas, and we were supposed to make a connecting flight, and we got there, and I missed my connecting flight. You know, it, was a, it, was, it made me upset. I was so upset, but it was a setback. It was a hindrance to the progress I was making. To the, it, it was a hindrance to me going where I wanted to go, just a setback. I mean, this sounds minor, but sometimes setbacks can be really big, like, you lose your job unexpectedly. That can be a big setback. And it can, it can really, uh, you know, be a hindrance. Or maybe you experience a natural disaster and you have to live through that. It can be a huge setback and it can really mess up your life and, and, and you know, delay you. Well, this virus, this coronavirus, it's an interruption to our lives. It's a huge interruption. And it's a big, unprecedented setback, but it's just a setback nonetheless. James 1, 2 through 3 gives us a lot of wisdom about how to handle setbacks, how to handle trials when they come. He said, my brethren, he's talking to Christians. He's not talking to, to just people that are unchurched. He's talking to all of us because none of us are exempt. We are in the flesh. We do live in this world and we will be bothered by setbacks. We run into them all the time. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you face, um, when you fall into various trials or setbacks, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. This is great advice from James. It's great. He says that we're to be able to count it all joy when we fall into these setbacks. When we go through these times, it's really a testing of our faith. You know, life is full of setbacks. And patience is required. Patience is required when the person had me sit through the red light and it made me late for my appointment. It was patience whenever I missed my flight connection and I wanted to go up and yell at the lady at the desk and she didn't have anything to do with it. But the truth was it was a setback. And, you know, but it required me to have patience. And that's what he's saying here. When we go through these things, you know, the bigger the setback, the more patience. You lose your job. There's probably going to be a season there where you're going to have to have a lot of patience and, and faith waiting on God to provide what you need. You know, if you go through a natural disaster, there's probably a, a lot of patience involved because you've got to wait and get your life back together and get everything rebuilt. This virus is like that. It's to produce patience in us. It's a test of our faith. Instead of seeing these setbacks and seeing these things or like this virus is just tragic and life-threatening, we should see them as tests of our faith because that's what they are. They're tests of our faith. How does it test our faith? Well, we have faith that God's going to provide. And the test comes in, what if I lose my job? 
You know, you've got faith that God's going to protect you, but, you know, the, the, the faith comes in of, what if this virus gets on me? The faith that God will prevail. And then you sit there and you say, well, what if I don't see anything happening and nothing seems to be changing? You know, whenever I think of that last one, I think about God prevailing and I don't see any change. I think of that song we've been singing in church for the last few months and it, it goes like, even if I don't see that you're working, even if I don't feel that you're working, you never stop. You never stop working. God is unseen, but he is powerful. And he is working behind the scenes. This thing will end. And even if we don't see it, God is working to end it. So I say we shouldn't spend any time in this season on what ifs. We should spend most of our time on thinking of even if. Because God plans for all of us to prevail. The church will not only survive, the church will thrive. You know, I just want you to see this as an opportunity of growth. In James' verses, he says that this produces patience. Walking through setbacks, having patience in the midst of it, we grow in those moments. We grow in these difficult times if we hang on to our faith. Because we will make it through. We'll make it through this just like we've made it through every setback we've faced in our whole life. But it's going to require patience and it's going to require faith. I want to tell you the story of a young woman, Bethany Hamilton. You, you probably know her story. Uh, it's really famous, and she's been on the scene for a while. She's a Christian young woman. Um, Bethany Hamilton was a, a, a young surfer, and um, she had grown up surfing. In fact, she started surfing as just a very, very young child. By the age of seven, she could surf all by herself. She didn't need any assistance at all. And uh, it was pretty remarkable. And she was really good. At seven, her parents began to put her into competitions, and she won every single competition that she entered into. Um, by the time that she was 13, she had won dozens of competitions, and she also had a sponsor. And her goal was to be a professional surfer. But then when she was 13, one day, October 31st, 2003, she was out on her surfboard, and she was in some calm water and she was waiting on a wave and she was out there with some friends and she was paddling like they do waiting for uh, the wave to come along and just out of nowhere this giant shark came up and actually took a big bite out of her board and bit her entire left arm off at the at the shoulder she's 13 years old and it was such a severe injury that she said it didn't really hurt that bad so she was able to stay composed but she saw that she was losing a ton of blood and she knew she had, to get, she had to get to the shore. So with her good arm, she kept paddling to the shore and she finally got there. And of course, they rushed her to the hospital and they brought her in and she had lost 60% of her blood. She was almost dead. And they rushed her into surgery and they, they um, did what they needed to do to, to get her back right. Well, it's said that when she, was, when she was in the hospital recovering from her surgery that she started thinking about her options. She concluded that her surfing days were over. I mean, how can you surf with only one arm? And so she thought, she thought well, I'll become a surf photographer, or maybe I could switch to soccer. But then shortly after that, she decided, you know, it's too early to give up on surfing. 
I mean, she only had one hand, and she really didn't know how she could do it. But she went and she talked to her doctor, and her doctor said, well, you can do it, but you have to wait till the stitches come out. And she said, okay, but I'm going to try to do it again. I mean, this girl has suffered a giant setback. Her whole life was disrupted. She's 13 years old, and she's ready to go out and, and give it a go. 26 days after her attack, that shark attack, 26 days, she's back out in the water, and she's trying to learn to get up on her board with one arm, because normally they push up with two arms. She had to learn to get her arm in the middle and push herself up and stood up, and she figured it out. The first time she went out, it took her a few tries, but then she got up and she could do it. It was remarkable. So she was able to surf again. 26 days after the attack. Well, she experimented, and she got better, and she got better, and she got better, and she returned to competitive surfing. And in 2005, less than two years after the attack, she won the National Scholastic Surfing Association National Championship. And shortly thereafter, she turned pro and won the very first contest she ever entered and many more after that. Why do I tell that story? Because I think it's a remarkable story. This young woman was a Christian woman, and she held on to her faith, and she knew about patience. It took her patience to learn to do what she had done so well before. But the thing to me that was the most remarkable was in the middle of this mess, in the middle of her, her, her uh, whole setback, she's laying in the hospital bed at 13 years old, lost her arm. It's like her world had ended. And she's not thinking about, woe is me. She's not thinking about how sad it is that I've got this happened to me. She's not questioning God about why it's happening. She's already trying to figure out her life. I think this is just such a picture of what it means to have patience and have faith when you go through something that is a huge, huge setback. Theodore Roosevelt has this quote about times of trial. He says this, he says, do what you can with what you've got where you are. Do what you can with what you've got where you are. And that's exactly what this young woman did. And that's exactly what we're called to do. We can't do a thing about this virus. We probably won't come up with the vaccine ourselves. But I can tell you this, we are required to do what we can with what we've got where we are. And so that becomes the question to me. What are we going to do about this setback? What are we going to do about the setback that we're all going through together? We can complain. We can whine. We can feel bad about it. We can, we can do all kinds of things. But I would rather face it with optimism and, and look for the good that comes out of it. I want to face it with patience and with faith. You know, how we think about this thing, how we think about this whole virus and pandemic, it will greatly affect how we go through it. Because we're going through it, and it's going to go away. But how we go through it is the big question that I'm asking today. And so I'm just asking us all to make a commitment to be positive and to be full of faith and to use this time wisely. Honestly, this, this time at home, this isolation that we're all kind of going through, it's a gift. It's not really a punishment. I mean, it is a setback because it slows everything down. It, it hinders our progress in life. And, and for some of you, it is a real big setback because I know you've lost income and stuff. But I just want you to know that God has this thing. He is your provider. 
He will not change. Even if things do happen that are difficult, it doesn't change the truth about who God is. We're to live one day at a time, we're to live in faith, and we're to live in patience because this will pass. But this, this time that we're in now, we need to be able to make a commitment to use this time wisely. You know, I, I, I want to just encourage you. As many of you say, you don't have time to read the Bible. Well, now you do. Read the Bible. Read it all the way through. Spend time meditating in his word. Do those things that you think you never had time to do. Read his word and let it speak to you. And spend time just meditating it, praying it. You know, read. Read things that build you up. Read things that encourage you. Read, read the successful stories about people that make it through difficult things. And then journal. And I want to say this too. You know, there's a lot of you out there. You need to start writing your book. Because a lot of you just don't take the time. And this is a great time for you to take that time to write that outline out and start writing that book. Maybe you need to reconnect with your family or rekindle the romance in your marriage. And I just want you to know that we're going to be hiring nursery workers by the end of the year because we expect this big explosion of babies to hit the church. Because we know you're going to be fruitful and multiply. But I tell all you guys at the jail, don't, don't do that. I just want us to make this commitment in this time to go through this as best we can in faith, in patience, believing God's got this and that we are going to walk out of this. And I just want us to spend this time growing and not grumbling. So let's, let's uh, have just a moment of ministry. Now, I realize we don't have people up here praying for you, but I want to pray for you. And I prayed about the end of this message, and I want to pray for specific people right now. There might be some of you out there that feel that fear. Maybe you're hearing those what-ifs, and maybe you're scared. Maybe there's even a little panic inside of you. And I just want to pray for you. And I want to pray the truth of God's word over you. I want to, I want to tell you that God's word is the highest word. It says in 1 John 4 that greater is he that's in you than anything that's in this world. And so if you've made Jesus your Savior, if you've, if you've said yes to Jesus when he's wanted to save you, his spirit lives inside of you. And there is nothing in this world that's greater than God that's inside of you. And so, Lord, I just pray for them right now. Whoever it is that has fear or a little bit of panic on them, Lord, just touch them with your spirit. Speak to them, God. Let there be comfort in their heart. Let them feel your warm embrace. I ask God that you would speak directly to them words of encouragement. And I want to pray for the rest of us. And I want to pray that we would be strong and courageous through this time. So if you would, I'm just asking you to get in a position where you can receive from the Lord. And God, I just pray right now that you would help us to be strong when we feel weak. Help us to have faith when we really are in doubt. 
Help us, God, to have patience when we feel like we want to just scream. And I ask, God, that we would go through this and we would look back on these days and there would be a special time. There'd be a time that we grew, that we, that we actually moved forward in our faith, that we would look at this time and it would be a pivotal time, an important time. And that what the enemy has meant to bring fear and panic into the earth, that we would look back on and say that was one of the best seasons of our life, even though it was difficult. Because God, we know you can do this because you're, you're great. And so Lord, let your word be established in the earth that you could bring calm and peace and healing and your love, God, into the equation. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. We pray your days are filled with peace and we hope to be reunited with you all very soon.